This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome, everybody, to a special episode of the Animaniacast. Hey, this is Tom Ruger, and you're listening to the Animaniacast. And welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We are the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated television series, Animaniacs. And here we explore the series episode by episode. We talk about every gag and reference and stuff like that that we well, we want to talk about. And then in the end, we give each episode a Water Tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me once again is my brother, Nathan. I'm a super strong Warner sibling. And across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. Hi there. And joining us once again, we are excited to welcome back the creator of Animaniacs. It's Mr. Tom Ruger is back with us. Hello, Tom. Yes, always. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today we are excited because we have, we've just wrapped up our discussions of all 99 episodes of Animaniacs, and uh, so we thought we better get Tom back on here to talk about specifically the years of Animaniacs of working in the Kids WB years. Um, we've had Tom; you were on, uh, gosh, a little over a year, year and a half or so, and we kind of left off with um, Animaniacs getting on to Kids WB, but we mostly, you know, focused, I think, on the first two seasons. So it's great to have you back on here again so we can learn about the rest of the story, right? Glad to be here. (laughs) Well, uh, I suppose we should get right into it. So when it comes to Animaniacs, we had the, we started off with uh, two seasons with, uh, what was it? Six, I think it was 65 episodes in season one and then some leftovers for, for season two. Like four yeah, episodes. We had a little, some scraps remaining. Yeah. <laughs> we had about four half hours worth of material uh, that we they were part of the sixty five episode package, but we were so uh, incredibly economical in our production, and uh, just by using the little bridges by repeating them, like the little tunes, like the Slappy Squirrel theme or the Pink in the Brain theme, by repeating those bits of footage, it added up. So uh, we actually had four and a half hours worth of extra stuff culled from those 65 half hours. I always thought that these episodes were uh, truly a gift to Warner Brothers. And, uh, and you know, they, they basically had four free episodes. Mm. They didn't look at it that way. <laughs> they, they felt that the first 65 had cost enough to just... <laughs> Was there was there any other uh, plans initially? I mean, when you were doing that first season, I mean, were, were you originally just thinking, well, we're going to do our sixty five or um, episodes, and that was going to be it, or was there, you know, when did you? I guess no, we did not feel that we were just going to do sixty five half hours because we had done Tiny Tunes and we had made I don't know a hundred and some of those. Mm-hmm. So we we felt if if the show was a success, we would go beyond sixty five. I see. I see. So when did you learn about the 
this move to the the new Warner Brothers network? How did this all go down? Well, uh, it was truly just like a rumor that uh, it would uh, happen. Um, a guy named Jamie Kellner was uh, the man behind it. He had uh, helped make Fox Network come to life. He was one of the key people. And so Warner Brothers, either they recruited him or he talked them into hiring him. So the minute Jamie Kellner showed up at Warner Brothers, the concept was there would become a Warner Brothers network to rival Fox and NBC and CBS and ABC. So, uh, you know, big, big talk, lots of, oh, we're going to become huge. And uh, so I guess there was a little bit of excitement, a little bit of excitement. Uh, But we were very content where we were because we uh, being at uh, Fox sort of ruled the roost. We, we knew we had a, a very popular show. Fox loved us. Stephen loved us. The head of Fox, Margaret Lesh, head of Fox uh, Children's TV, loved us. So we weren't the least bit concerned about uh, moving to a new network or moving to the kids' WB. We were very content with Fox. But we were going to do whatever we were told to do. And uh, uh, we just knew we had a good show and we were, you know, wherever they wanted to play, it was originally uh, okay with us. Uh, We just wanted to keep making the cartoon. So I don't think uh, in our production uh, sensibility, we changed anything. We just kept making the kind of cartoons we felt were really good and the kids would love. Uh, But as you know, and as our listening audience will find out uh, in a few moments, uh, it wasn't the most perfect move we could have possibly made. <laughs> there, there, there probably could have been a better move. Take a memo. Introducing TV's newest comedy duo, Pinky and the Brain. Yes. <laughs> They're two small lab mice with one big plan. Trying to take over the world. Fortunately for us, they're not very good at it. The primetime world premiere of Pinky and the Brain, followed by Sister Sister Sunday. I'm curious as to um, how it was decided that Pinky and the Brain would get their own spinoff. Well, it's uh, it happened at this meeting, and we were there to talk about uh, new stories for... Uh, it was uh, when we were at Fox. So we're at Fox, and this is probably uh, midway through the the premiere season. So the show's on the air. It's a big hit, and uh, everyone's happy. Steven's happy, and the the Fox executives have attended this meeting, which was rare. So we're at Steven's uh, big, long table uh, uh, conference room, which was the one pictured in that Freakazoid episode where we're pitching to Steven and he says, uh, we should just show more cartoons, more, more Animaniacs cartoons instead of Freakazoid. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at this meeting, Steven says, well, well, well I, I think, uh, you know, we, we should do a spinoff of Pinky and the Brain. And Margaret Lesh, I think she almost said it at the same time. We should do a spinoff of Pinky and the Brain. And uh, so they were in agreement. And I don't know. I was just like, 
Oh, that sounds like work. (laughs) Sounds like we're going to be making a lot more episodes, a lot more work. Uh, But, you know, we're a success, so we're happy to do it. Um, But again, it was, uh, Kelly, it was very early. Uh, It was like right out of the gate. We knew we had Tiny Toons was a hit. Now Animaniacs is a hit. Very quickly, it was like uh, months after we're our premiere. Uh, so that went into the works pretty quickly. And, uh, but before we could pull it together, before we could put it on the air, uh, the Fox deal fell apart because Warner Brothers decided we're going to have our own network and we're going to take all these cartoons we have on Fox, Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, and whatever new we make, we're going to put it on Kids WB, and we're going to own children's entertainment on television. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, now, as you also remember, Kelly, uh, Pinky and the Brain, we initially were making it for Saturday morning. It was We're just going to make more Pinky and the Brains, and we're gonna, we have an order of 65 half hours of Pinky and the Brain. So... We're all like, well, we're going to be sitting back and making cartoons for a while. <laughs> but about, I'd say, probably May. So May is when the upfronts for primetime television. And so the May, the month of May before the premiere of kids uh, of uh, the WB, with that frog dancing, uh, the folks at Kids WB decided we want you to give us your pinky in the brain episodes for prime time, Sunday night, 7 PM. Now these shows were being made uh, and they were good. They were great cartoons, but you know, we're not thinking about primetime audience. We're thinking of our, our regular audience. And uh, that's when we sort of let the network executives who have never, ever touched any cartoons any of us have ever made, uh, you know, at Warner Brothers. Uh, Network executives never really uh, got involved with Tiny Toons or Animaniacs. But suddenly, now, we want Pinky and the Brain for prime time. Then they started, I would say, what would you call meddling. Mm. That's when they started to say, you know, we want to have a say in this. And the beauty of our lives up to that point is that uh, they might have said that sort of thing. We'd like to have a say in this cartoon or that cartoon. But we would just say, you know what, Stephen really likes this cartoon, so, you know, back off. <laughs> so that that's the way we were operating. But now Jamie Kellner and his team and, you know, I'm not going into who, who the people were. They, they started saying we want – uh, Pinky in the Brain to be a primetime sitcom. We really want, we actually, we want to change Pinky in the Brain, okay? We don't mm-hmm. want it really to be just about uh, them trying to take over the world every night. We want it to be sort of like your standard sitcom so that at the lab, like, there'll be the wacky neighbor that comes by, like, in a standard sitcom, and then a wacky neighbor turned out to be Dick Clark. It's like, uh, what? Why did Clark their neighbor? <laughs> and uh, so some of this stuff made it into 
I would call it the second wave of primetime Pinky and the Brain cartoons, because the first wave of Pinky and the Brain cartoons that appeared in primetime were uh, a handful of uh, cartoons, half hours that we had made with with the intention of having them be in the new Pinky and the Brain series on its own. Part of this initial wave became, we grabbed a bunch of Pinky the Brain shorts from the Animaniacs series and cobbled them into half hours to fill in the gap between the new half hours that were coming through. And then I think by maybe, I think they may have taken us off the air for a few weeks or a couple of months to wait for these new Pinky the Brains with the sitcom attitude. And uh, Peter Hastings uh, was tasked with the concept of getting together a uh, a team of sitcom writers and uh, and having like a writer's room and doing Pinky in the Brains that way. And, uh, you know, it was, I think, uh, a tough challenge. And, and again, you had the network involved really wanted, wanting it to be, uh, you know, like who's the boss. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, this, this, ultimately became uh, a handful of episodes became uh, this version of the Pinky in the Brain show. And you could probably find them on the DVD, uh, but it didn't, it didn't click. It's not like the audience that loved Pinky in the Brain suddenly said, Oh, this is such an improvement. We love this version so much better. Uh, I don't think that was the case at all. Uh, so I think at some point, Warner Brothers, you know, after the first uh, 20 weeks or 39 weeks or something, they said, OK, you know, let's send Picking the Brain back to uh, the morning schedule on Saturday. So it, it played every day of the week. Uh, we made 65 half hours, as you know. Uh, one other thing about the premiere of Pinky and the Brain in primetime. Sunday night, this was not only the premiere of Pinky and the Brain in primetime, this was the premiere of the WB. The WB arrived on its channel uh, syndication group around the country. I don't know how much coverage it had, but it was, it was, it was sort of like being on shortwave radio. I mean, it really, it was not major coverage around the country. But here they are, the WB stations, and we have one in L.A. Uh, at 7 p.m. local time, it began with Chuck Jones, you know, who wasn't a spring chicken at that point. And people were like, wait, wait, are we watching an old episode of 60 Minutes here? This is a really <laughs> old guy. And now you're watching a different channel. 60 Minutes is on the other channel. It's 7 o'clock Sunday night, and here's Chuck Jones. And Welcome to the WB or whatever he said. And the, the frog comes dancing out. Hey, hello, my baby. And it goes uh, right to the Bugs Bunny logo. And then we got Pinky in the Brain Sunday night. Dun, 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 dun. But do you know what I'm going to tell you now? In L.A., now I don't know where else. In L.A., it was on Channel 5, the WB. They had a huge transmission problem. And the first 10 minutes of the premiere event, Chuck Jones, the frog, first 10 minutes of Pink in the Brain, 
blank screen. Oh. Nothing. <laughs> Ignominious defeat. Uh, does not harbor, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, did not auger well or did not, uh, uh, wasn't a good sign. Anyway, 10 <laughs> minutes, uh, and then it comes on in the middle of this half hour story. The brain's in a submarine and he's playing, you know, captain. And, and, and it was like, well, nobody's going to know what's going on here. <laughs> so, uh, not a great start. I remember I was, I was calling up McCurdy. I was calling up Peter. What's going on? Are you getting it? No, I'm not getting it. Oh, oh so my goodness. That was, the, that was the beginning of, uh, Pinky the Brain's journey on, Kids WB. Definitely a bumpy start, that's for sure. Mary Heartless here at the Warner Brothers Studios, where something very big is happening right inside these walls. We've learned that the Warner characters are secretly forming their very own TV network for kids. And that's just the beginning. Rumors are flying that three of Warner's biggest superstars are leaving their old network and moving home to the lot. Who could they be? And why is a moving van pulling up to the water tower? Here's what we do know. Sylvester and Tweety are back from a 30-year vacation and are planning their first weekly mystery series. Bugs Bunny has signed Earthworm Jim to turn his hit video game into his own explosive new show. Steven Spielberg will soon be unveiling his secret new creation, Freakazoid. But we're dying to know who are the mystery stars leaving their old network to return to the Warner Brothers lot. Stay tuned to your WB station this summer for the scoop on Kids WB. See you this fall. There is no cause for alarm, but there probably will be. I, I'm wondering, um, since you're doing Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs at the same time, how did you decide when a Pinky and the Brain ep- a segment would go to Animaniacs instead of Pinky and the Brain? So, like, Don't Tread on Us is one example that went to Animaniacs instead of Pinky and the Brain show. Well, um, uh, the Kids WB uh, Brain Trust, uh, they decided that uh, the prime time episodes should be half hours they should be half hour stories not that not that that happened all the time because ultimately we ran out of the half hours but they wanted uh half hours with that whole sitcom feel so they, at some point they said don't put shorts in there just send them back to the morning schedule uh that's that's what i recall okay um now tom when it comes to when it comes to the Animaniacs, the Animaniacs schedule changed quite a bit, right? I mean, it used to be on a Monday through Friday schedule, and then it went to Saturday mornings. Did that did, having to produce less Animaniacs episodes in that season was that kind of a blessing, so that you could also focus more time on shows like Pinky and the Brain, and then later and then Road Rovers and Freakazoid and things like that? Now, Road Rovers was the second season of Freakazoid. When did we? Didn't we put Freakazoid on the, this same season as the first yes, season? as Pinky and the Brain? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was I was almost full time on on uh, Freakazoid with Rug and McCann, and uh, so the uh, Animaniacs episodes we made almost before the Freakazoids. Mm-hmm. You know, we had been working on. Animaniacs, and then suddenly we get yanked into Freakazoid. So uh, 13 
half hours of Animaniacs were just about all my brain could handle of that. Because <laughs> I had 13 freakazoids to deal with, too. And Pinky and the Brains, those new ones, uh, Peter Hastings um, really focused on the story editing of those. You're watching the world premiere of Kids WB. The mystery is over. This fall, they've come home. It's time for Animaniacs. That's right. The Animaniacs have left their old network behind. Rivadurji. Au revoir. Sayonara. And have come back home to join their fellow Warner Brothers stars. Reporting for work, sir. It's the start of a whole new network for kids. Kids WB. And no grown-ups allowed. Suffer and fuck attacks. Sylvester and Tweety are on the case. In our brand new mystery series. Earthworm Jim leaps out of his hit video game and into his own show. Oh, groovy! A new hero is unveiled. Steven Spielberg presents Freakazoid. Don't forget to freak out. And Piggy and the Brain have taken over their very own kids' WB show. Are you pondering what I'm pondering? No! So sit tight, because this morning you'll get to see not one, but two brand new episodes of the Animaniacs. Animaniacs! Welcome to Kids WB, and all new Animaniacs is next. Kelly, you're there. Do you have a do you have a question on the, the notes that you'd like to go for? Yes, uh, there was one from a listener named William, and he wanted to know why Sherry Stoner didn't write as many of the Slappy Squirrel episodes in the WB era. Well, Sherry, uh, at that point, had uh, been working on the Casper feature film with Deanna. So they had been pulled away from the daily grind of the the TV series. So they did Casper, and then uh, they did, uh, I think, my favorite Martian shortly thereafter. So they had become sort of a uh, live-action movie duo, Sherry got dragged back into Casper, uh, the cartoon series, but she basically was gone from the uh, the studio. Uh, she was not there on a daily basis, so she would come in and do voices, and occasionally I would yell at her <laughs> to to write some slappy squirrel cartoons. I said, Sherry, that's enough of this nonsense with Casper. You write some. Some slappy. She loves slappy, so uh, uh, she was glad to write those, but she just didn't have the time to do a lot of them. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so Tom, you, you've stated that the WB was not happy with the demographics that Animaniacs was polling. Uh, like they wanted a younger audience and had commercials paired with Animaniacs for little kids, but the show itself was pulling older kids and adults. Um, did the WB push back as plots on the plots of storylines or, uh, did they want you guys to write for a younger audience? Yeah, they, they actually, I think they said our, our cartoons were too smart. (laughs) They're too lofty in their goals. And, and, you know, it's like you had to be, uh, I think Jamie Kellner said, you know, we don't want our kids aren't they're not they're not college graduates you know just start writing for the kids that are watching and you know I, I didn't really agree with much of what Jamie said uh, so uh, they really did uh, give us notes I mean again the door opened with Pinky in the Brain which is sad but so they're starting to give notes on um, 
the primetime pinky in the brain. And then uh, they really, uh, they did some demographic testing, which uh, these, these particular uh, network people really like the testing. And they found that, uh, you know, the audience didn't always uh, like every segment in the show. So, you know, they would, they would say, you know, less Mindy and Buttons, uh, more, uh, or actually, no, less Rita and Runt, um, uh, less Slappy Squirrel. Uh, basically, you know, give us Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, Pink in the Brain. And, and, you know, we didn't really listen. <laughs> We didn't listen. They, you know, we, our contention was that we were very successful at most federal penitentiaries, and that was our target audience. So <laughs> we were happy. Uh, but truly, uh, then they went into this thing where they said, "Big kids go first. Big kids go first. And it was like, "What are you talking about?" And that's when they took uh, Freakazoid, which was on at 11 a.m. I think, and they put it at 7 a.m. <laughs> so that big kids. Shouldn't go to sleep the night before if they want to see Freakazoid. They should stay up and keep drinking. Um, There's a so, gag credit, I think, somewhere in Animaniacs in the WB years where it says, at, at Kids WB, big kids go first. And what is, oh gosh, what is that? We read it just recently. Big kids go first. And uh, yeah, I don't know uh, what the punch Something like big, the other kids go to bed or, or wake. I don't know. We'll look it up. But it, but it was very much like, what are, what's this talk? What's what's going on here? That's what that was. Big kids go first. So they changed the schedule, the Saturday morning schedule. So that uh, that's that was the um, the demographic thing. They found that okay. uh, Freakazoid was pulling in an older audience, teenage audience, and Animaniacs sort of, uh, Pink of the Brain sort of. So they put those shows on from like seven to nine, and then they put, you know, they probably put like Pokemon on at nine or something. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So we were really getting uh, our schedule screwed up pretty badly. Uh, at some point, they pulled Freakazoid off Saturday morning, and they put it on like at three o'clock on Wednesdays. <laughs> oh my gosh! And and new episodes too. Yeah. So they were. Really burning them off. And this and this was before the internet really was, you know, with scheduling and everything. So I remember as a as a you know, watching these programs and trying to tape them, we we missed like half of it's season impossible. 2, yeah. I think, because we were like, where is this? When I finally got the DVDs, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've never it was like I watched a whole new uh, new episodes of Freakazoid because I had never seen these episodes before." That's what happened with the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles cuz ABC kept changing it like be off the air for two months and then abc would change what night it came on and i couldn't keep up there were some that i missed and i i was like the biggest fan so i i just couldn't keep up i know uh that particular show beautifully made you know lushly produced and they they uh promote it incorrectly uh it doesn't get the numbers the first week and then they just bury it on like you know uh, Saturday night at 10 o'clock. I was like, what? That's not the audience. Uh, so, uh, but the WB had all sorts of uh, programming problems. There was a, uh, a really, and I'm, I'm going to blank on this. It was a really great show. It was a Western. Uh, and it was like, it wasn't Calamity Jane, but anyway, it was beautifully made. It was made in France. It looked like 
if you, uh, for a visual reference, the opening visuals uh, main title of the Wild Wild West TV show had some cartoon drawings, and it looked very much like a Clint Eastwood type drawing of a, a Western guy. So this was a beautifully drawn animated series about uh, a, a woman who is like, you know, kick-ass Western gal who, you know, is righting wrongs and uh, standing up for justice. And it was fabulous. And uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, the, the actress, she did the voice on it. Excellent. Gene McCurdy was a champion of this series. And, uh, and it was going to be a good companion piece. And uh, with maybe following Freakazoid, uh, John McCann was working on uh, a DC uh, comic uh, of, a, of a famous character that was going to be an additional companion piece. And uh, so literally we get the first couple episodes back from France of this uh, uh, comedy Jane type Western. And Jamie Kelly says, I don't like it. Cancel it which is just lousy. And, and, and McCurdy, McCurdy was in charge of Kids WB. She was the president of Kids WB. And, and she was furious. And, you know, I don't want to characterize her. Maybe she wasn't furious, but I think she was disappointed. And, uh, and I think within maybe a month or two, whether uh, I think she quit as the president of Kids WB, um, and ultimately left that position and, you know, a couple of years later said, okay, you know, I'm done with this. Give me my retirement. The legend is true. What tarnation? She's the fastest whip the Wild West has ever seen. Meet Kids WB's newest action all-star, Calamity Jane. And now she's laying down the law and rounding up the dirtiest pack of varmints this side of Outlaw County. Who are you calling dirty? Yep, the spirit of the Wild West is alive and kicking on Kids WB. There she goes, there she goes. The Legend of Calamity Jane premieres today on Kids WB. The the quality of shows would really dip, you know, from yeah. from show to show sometimes. Well, I'm glad that you know, wherever you were, uh, uh, Joey, uh, there was a, a WB station because, well, <laughs> again, I mean, not every city had the, the WB. Well, we were... like. Uh, they're they're watching it on Fox one week. The kids, oh, there's Animaniacs, and they'd watch it. And the next week, it was gone. Yep, that's how it was in Tucson. It was in Tucson. It was just gone. And I remember hearing. I knew of Kids WB, but I think it ran in Phoenix. I'm not exactly the sure about the exact time when it finally came to Tucson, but it felt like months. But in reality, it might have been just a, a few weeks or so. But I knew new new episodes of Animaniacs and stuff were premiering, and I was missing them. And it was driving me nuts. But. Yeah, and uh, truly, uh, UHF channels yeah. uh, were a lot of uh, the coverage by uh, Kids WB. Yeah. Well, Tom, you talked about the the struggles here of, of you know some of the things working with uh, WB, uh, and in fact, you put it into some of your gag credits as well. Like Kids WB is number one. Ha ha! Only kidding. And then followed <laughs> uh, followed my. Uh, you know, New Year's resolution, no more sarcastic comments about the brilliant WB network. Oops. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so did uh did it was the, it was it was a disaster. Yeah. Let's face it. We went from being uh either the number one kid show on television or the number two kid show on television. We were uh in that situation back then uh on Fox. We we were we ruled children's television mm-hmm. to like almost being off the air, like in a week. How did Steven feel about all that? Steven at this point was beginning his conversations to start DreamWorks. So he was feeling bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, lady. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, he, he was not pleased. He, he thought it was, uh, you know, didn't help his franchise. I mean, he has an ownership position in these programs and uh, not pleased at all. But part of, I think, the WB's uh, game plan uh, was sparked by the fact, oh, Steven's leaving. So uh, we have to take advantage of this property right now. Uh, Steven's still involved. Let's let's make sure that we say Steven Spielberg's one of the pioneers of Kids WB, or you know, of the WB and Kids WB. Mm. We have his show, and we have a Steven Spielberg show, Pinky the Brain, in prime time. But he had given notice that DreamWorks was going to uh, take him away, and at first he was just saying, "Well, you know, I don't think it's going to change much." But then part of his deal was that he couldn't make any new cartoons with us. Um, but we wound up making the last thing, of course, with, with him was uh, Pinky Elmira and the Brain, which probably isn't going to make it into your uh, new new series of. Uh, well, I cartoons. don't know about that. I think there were some Pinky Elmira and the Brain was uh, was very interesting. It had yeah. The, now that I guess we could talk about that real quick. That was uh, obviously in the especially in the theme song. You you had some comments about the network. Pushing yeah. that, right? Uh, John McCann and uh, wrote wrote uh, that version of the Pinky and Brain theme song. Uh, he he added those uh, new sarcastic lyrics, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely. Um, while I didn't protest vociferously about uh, the Pinky and the Brain um, and Elmira show, I, I I did not participate in the uh, actual writing and work on that thing. Now Pinky and the Brain share a new domain. It's what the network wants. Why bother to complain? The Earth remains a goal. Some things they can't control. They're Pinky, Elmira, and the Brain. brain, brain I deeply brain, resent brain, this. Trolls! <laughs> Um, so Tom, there's not uh, a lot of one-off episodes in the Kids WB years, uh, like A Gift of Gold uh, about a piece of wrapping paper, and uh, Wings Take Heart about bugs and love. Uh, there's a Nick cuckoo clock looking. Those. Nick <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, Steve, the gold paper thing. Uh, that idea initi- uh, began with Stephen. Yeah. Really? Okay. Uh, the, Marlo Weissman, one... one of our freelance writers, Marlo Weissman, came in with the cuckoo clock. Uh, uh, episode, which I yeah, thought that's the one. 
absolutely adorable, and I thought it was a, a really nice cartoon. Uh, but we didn't do a lot of uh, sort of one-offs. We did do one, the one cartoon of the batch that uh, we're sort of looking at today, this uh, third, fourth, fifth season batch that just got lambasted was, uh, I think it was called One Flow or the Cuckoo Clock. Yes. Uh, the half hour with Slappy uh, apparently falling into profound senility and uh, Skippy uh, being taken off uh, by uh, a social worker. And uh, and now I love this. I actually love this cartoon. I really <laughs> do. Um, and uh, it reminds me of uh, like a, a really old little rascal. Uh, or uh, our gang comedy because they would have these uh, episodes of our gang little rascal that had great pathos to them where the old woman's going to lose her home because the landlord's coming and the kids uh, they find the bonds that are going to pay it but they put the bonds as the tail of a kite up I remember the, I've seen that one <laughs> have to go after the kite and anyway it's but anyway so slappy uh, being and I don't. I'd say that the the objection I think I got from inside the building at Warner Brothers is that you know this is a serious condition that most people don't recover from. So uh, it's you know this may not be this may, this could traumatize children or something if their grandmother got sick. And I'm thinking, well, you know, this is a cartoon, so let's <laughs> let's back off a little bit. And it probably had a little bit more drama than your typical uh, Slappy and Skippy Squirrel cartoon. But uh, so I think that's the cartoon that replaced these one-offs because uh, the one-offs had a little serious touch, touches to them. So this was a whole half hour that had a serious touch. And, uh, you know, I think uh, McCurdy and others thought, don't do those, please. <laughs> Keep them fun. Didn't you say? I think I, I think I read somewhere that you said that that was um you kind of that episode was meant something to you because of your aunt or something like that. Yeah, my aunt Catherine. Uh, I it's sort of my tribute to her, and yet I I think I I just feel like I, I missed my opportunity with my aunt Catherine when she was really old. I, I didn't visit her enough, and uh, I always have felt bad about that and. So here we have Skippy visiting her and, and helping her escape because my aunt Catherine uh, was in, you know, very nice retirement community. But the last time I saw her, she said, get me out of here. Get me. <laughs> well, that one won our uh, latest poll for the, 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 la- the last four uh, uh, Skippy and Slappy cartoons, of which was uh, your favorite. That one actually won the, uh, the favorite. For uh, wow. people, yeah, that, I have not watched it in a long time. I'm going to watch that again because I I have fond memories of that, and it was it was a lot of work. Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. I wish Aunt Slappy would get better and things were like they used to be. Hey, Pinocchio! I ain't the blue fairy, but I think your wish just got answered. 
Slappy! Come on, kiddo, let's go home. All right! Let's go ahead and get to some other specific questions about other episodes then. So uh, let's one one that comes to mind, first of all, the end of um, season three, there's a bunch of songs. <laughs> there's an episode that had, you know, like the Panama Canal and had a, it was just basically nonstop songs. Was that just because it was just a bunch of just leftover songs? You just said, well, just put it all together into one episode at the end? It's- Throughout the entire 99 99- episode run of Animaniacs, I had this wall in my office. And on the wall were color-coded cards. So uh, the Warner Brothers were all pink cards, uh, all the Warner Adventures. And the Pinky and the Brains were all blues. And uh, so I tried to, you know, I wasn't color-coordinating the cartoons, but Basically, on each card, it would have uh, the title of the cartoon and the length of the cartoon, the footage. And I knew that I had to hit around 18.50 in footage for a half an hour. So there were, you know, I'd like to put a Yakko Wakko and Doc cartoon in in the show and maybe a a Slappy Squirrel cartoon, which were orange cards. And (laughs) so I would mix them up. And so... One of the fun things, we didn't produce these shows as half hours. We produced shorts, a batch of shorts, and then we would ship overseas a batch of shorts that added up to 1,850 feet, which would give us the length of a half hour. But we wouldn't air that batch together because I had withheld that decision because I wanted to be able to mix and match the best uh, or, or the, where, what worked together best. Now, in this third season we're talking about here, we were uh, doing a lot of shows without pinking the brain. So we were building them a little differently. I was putting what I thought worked together best. Uh, and before, before we ever got to the music episode, there were, you know, some shows that I thought really worked really well. Uh, for instance, uh, I mean, the Tiger Prince episode, mm. I think it, 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 it's just uh, a really great half hour, I think. The, the Tiger Prince is brilliant, and uh, uh, Peter Hastings really worked his, his tail off on that one. And then that also has the... All the words in the English language wrap around. Then it has that Dr. Seuss thing, kid in the lid. And then it has the whole. And this is the type of thing that drive, drove the network people crazy, where we, we did Method to Her Madness, which is slapping Skippy Squirrel visiting uh, an acting class with uh, the Stanislavski method, method yes. of acting. Which uh, you know, which was taking place in the fifties, and so Marlon Brando's in it, and Marilyn Monroe's in it, and all these other uh, acting students at this school. And honestly, the network is saying, "What are you guys doing? What what are you doing? You're doing a period piece with Skippy suddenly being like a hip jive guy. You know, why can't you just be consistent and leave her in the park in Burbank?" And we said, "Well, because." This interests us. We think this is funny and it's good. Um, the Please Please Get a Life cartoon, which is on the episode before that, that's gotten a lot of attention over the years. Uh, so anyway, we had 
I think some really uh, great cartoons going. Uh, but we did have an extra batch of songs because songs became kind of important because all the writers wanted to get royalties. <laughs> and that was still, <laughs> they, they could get, basically, we never got residuals for writing any of the cartoons because residuals are for live action writers, not for animation writers. But we could get a royalty by writing a song. So Randy had written a bunch of songs previous. And uh, everybody said, well, why is, why is Randy getting all the royalties? So basically, everyone got a little uh, piece of royalty in episode 82, which had Wacko's two-note song, which is a brilliant cartoon by, uh, written by Peter Hastings. And I think he did the music for that. The Panama Canal song, I think it's Rug or McCann. I think McCann, I want to say. I like that. Oh, uh, yeah. I love that song. Uh, Hello, Nurses, Randy. The Ballad of Magellan is, uh, I think, Paul. Uh, Return of Wackerati is uh, Maurice LaMarche burping. <laughs> and I wrote the big, ra- I wrote the big rap party tonight, which is sort of a, a parody of a uh, Cab Calloway number, hmm. uh, fifteen minute intermission, big rap party. Uh, so anyway, those those songs had piled up, and I realized, wait, I got so many songs here, I could make a whole musical half hour. And it made sense at that point because uh, we had found good slots for a lot of the other cartoons. I do want to mention one cartoon we kind of skipped past that I really think is uh, well, actually uh, this pun for hire. Yeah. Um, which I think was, uh, I actually think it, it was Steven's, if you can imagine, I think it was Steven's favorite cartoon. Maybe that's because it has that beautiful, uh, line at the end where we see Spielberg and Katzenberg and Geffen uh, at a table and uh, the the object that we've been chasing after, uh, they have it. And Here they are, all the great cartoon ideas you'll need for your new studio. We don't want them. You see, we, we have our own, you know, brilliant ideas. Hmm. Who are those guys? The stuff that DreamWorks are made of. But there are some, I think there's some really great cartoons in this, uh, in this fourth season. Uh, I love uh, the flame cartoons. I think the sound of Warners is one of Rugs best. Uh, and I also love uh, soccer coach Slappy because, uh, it's the one where my son Nathan, who plays uh, Skippy, has to cry a lot, and he really uh, hated that. So <laughs> I, I always feel that he, he was quite the trooper to get through that. Um, and I also love episode 79, which is My Mother the Squirrel, Oh Say Can You See, 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, the reason I love this one so much is that my all three of my sons are <laughs> are doing voices uh, Cody's doing the, the little bluebird in the 12 days of Christmas and my mother, the squirrel Nathan's doing Skippy and Oh say, can you see Luke's doing the flame? So that that one's uh, a beaut. <laughs> um, but getting back to the big song thing. Uh, yeah. Episode 82 is packed with songs because there they were all just begging to be fit into uh a half hour and the schedule 
uh, allowed it. You did mention that the Please, Please, Please Get a Life Foundation there as well. Now, that that has gotten a lot of play, as you said recently, I think mainly because of the, especially the internet culture today. Um, how, uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure how to, how to phrase this, but did, uh, we, we, we use the reference guide a lot that these, a lot of the folks, uh, used. Did you find them, t- the, the, the folks to be, uh, I don't know if annoying is the correct word, but, it, or, or I didn't write this one and, uh-huh. uh, I, uh, Peter, uh, Peter wrote it. Peter was very much connected to uh, the alt uh, animaniac uh, online community. Right. Many of whom came and visited us. Uh, we had a whole troop of people come and go to a recording session and a music session. So this was truly, I, I think it was meant in, in, uh, in good fun, honest fun. But then... <laughs> The problem is, I think the artist then made the, the the character who needs to get alive. They they sort of made sort of disgusting looking, <laughs> and uh, that may have been a little bit unfair. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I, I think uh, we were not by any means upset with any uh, attention we were getting. We were very delighted that anyone online was interested in our show. So. Uh, if it, if this discouraged anyone, I, I it was not the intention. Oh yeah, well, it was a different world of internet back then too. Much more kinder too, which was you know. Compared yeah, to no, today. not in the Star Wars community. Well, that's true. You have to watch out where not you with go. the expanded universe. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the, I think I've mentioned this before, uh, but I the three tenors and your out cartoon was. Uh, the one with uh, Pavarotti and the other opera singers singing at Dodger Stadium. You know, it was a big, elaborate cartoon, a lot of work. Slappy Squirrel is at the stadium. She thinks she's at a baseball game and and really kind of torments these three opera singers. And uh, But I, I told you about getting called into the head office on this one. No, I don't think so. So this thing aired. And uh, so... Apparently, these three opera singers, uh, three tenors, it was called. It was going around the country. It was a it was a big orchestral show. Every city in America, uh, these three great opera singers were appearing in New York, you know, L.A., Chicago, bringing in a fortune. Very big show. So this is what we were kind of ribbing. And so I get called in. I don't know what it's for. And both McCurdy and I get pulled in by the head of the Warner Brothers company, Bob Daly. And he he's like this. He's like his arms folded on the desk and he's like looking at us very pleasantly. He said, now let, let me tell you something. Uh, Warner Brothers, big company. We uh, have all these different uh, properties, uh, IPs and, and uh, personalities that work for us. And so anyway, one of our biggest uh Money makers this year is our concert tour uh, that we have put together, starring uh, the three tenors, and they're very successful and they're making us a lot of money. So imagine my surprise when I turn on the TV the other day, uh, at the advice of our attorneys, and I watched you tear these three individuals apart, 
and uh, and abuse them and make fun of them. Now, I had to talk to Mr. Pavarotti, and we've calmed him down. And uh, uh, the tour is going to go on for another five months. So uh, until then, until it's over and our contract with them has expired, we won't be showing this cartoon uh, during that period. Oh, my gosh. So, but please, uh, before you do this, please just stop by. Tell me what's going on so I can maybe uh, steer you in another direction. So I, I hadn't told you that one, Joey? No. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So uh, three tenors, yeah. <laughs> that is, and, and this, hey, and side note, Slipping on the Ice is, is sung in that one. That's one of my favorite little songs they, that uh, makes a return in that one. Oh, yeah. We're sleeping on the ice. <laughs> yes, that's funny. I want to, uh, if you don't mind, I, I want to mention... Um, <laughs> Two of the directors that, in in reviewing uh, and these uh, cartoons, I mean, and there are so many directors uh, that did a great job. I, I, I hate to leave people out, but both uh, Audu Payton and uh, Charlie Visser uh, played a huge role in these uh, this final round of uh, cartoons for the series. And uh, I mean, there are other great directors too: uh, Greg Raina, Barry Caldwell. Uh, John McClenahan, of course, uh, did a beautiful job on a bunch of cartoons. Uh, but Audu and and uh, and Charlie Visser really, uh, really just hit it out of the park. Yeah, we we've mentioned their names quite often as we're going through the credits of these of these uh, episodes right here. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, my favorite, I think, of, of uh, the final season final couple seasons uh i think one of my favorites uh, i mean i i very much like 99 i like the animaniac suite in the scoring session but i very much like uh episode 92 which is uh which has dot that macadamia nut and i like bully for skippy because it it ribs uh the fcc and uh the Reed Hunt was the head of the FCC, so we put in Reef Blunt, who was insisting that all oh, our cartoons be educational. And uh, I'm talking at you, Mrs. Squirrel. <laughs> uh, but it requires three hours every week of educational kids programming on every station in America. We're ruined. It's the end of civilization as we know it. And we expect everyone involved in kids' TV to adhere to its strict guidelines. Especially you, Miss Squirrel. Somebody shoot me. We're doomed. Uh, so, <laughs> and that was going on. So it was a little bit of, di- of a dig at the FCC making all TV stations uh, have to run uh, educational children's television. Is that what prompted a, a very, very, very special show that was overly politically correct? Yeah, that was within the same framework. Well, that was our, we were seriously, we wanted to win the Humanitas Award. <laughs> <laughs> that was an award that was going around that's supposed to be like, you know, that creates a, an environment of moral uplift. Uh, and it's an award that keeps, is still existent to today. And we hadn't won. We'd won a Peabody, and we'd won some Emmys, and we won this and that. And we, 
we wanted to win a Humanitas. So rather than do something that could win a Humanitas, we did something that could only annoy them and, and uh, uh, guarantee we'll never win one. <laughs> hey, it's time to get going to that lecture on ozone depletion. We can catch the bus over here. Well, why don't we just walk? It'll be a positive step towards helping the environment. Oh, how's that, Dot? Well, you see, Yakko, car engines consume fossil fuels, which are a non-renewable source of energy. And the burning of those fuels contributes to pollutants in our atmosphere. That's why carpooling and use of public transportation can go a long way in helping to provide a cleaner environment. That, and getting a ride with Ed Bagley Jr. I wonder if you have any memories of Magic Time and the Brain's Apprentice, that episode. Um, so that one got delayed quite a few months. It was supposed to release as episode 94. It got released, I think, after episode 97. But um, I, I, it's a great episode. I think even when it aired, it was still not a finished episode. So I wonder if you remember anything about that. You mean the Brain's Apprentice had some uh, retakes that were needed? <laughs> I think it ri- originally aired with uh, different segments. Um, besides, it, let me uh, see if I can find out what. I just remember that one being. Um, now, the, from the, the original airing, it was different. Aren't they based on Siegfried and Roy? Yes. Magic, Magic Time was uh, Siegfried and Roy, yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't imagine how well that plays nowadays because, of course, there was a. Oh, an animal uh, mauling uh, those two guys. Uh, I do know that uh, the last ever Pinky and the Brain segment, uh, the Brain's Apprentice, uh, last segment on on the Animaniacs series, uh, was one of the only Pinky and the Brain segments done by uh, McClenahan's uh, StarTunes, I think. I Mm -hmm. mean, were there others by StarTunes, Pinky and the Brain's? Uh, I'm not sure. There, there's, there's like, there's. I think there's a few. I want to say that um, Meet John Brain might. It's possible. This is a beautifully made cartoon, uh, beautifully directed, uh, just fabulous, and um, but a lot of work. I mean, those guys, they really animate the daylights out of these shows. It's not like they're just uh, tracing back cells or tracing back the same drawings. They're they're fully animating these characters. Um, and, of course, musically, that's a very involved... I mean, there's virtually no dialogue in it. I mean, it really was... Uh, we really did Fantasia. I think we uh, we fudged the music a little bit, but it's very close to the original. Um, so this was something that Richard Stone and Julian Steve Bernstein worked really hard on to make it, uh, I think a really standout episode. Now let's go to the, let's go to one episode here, the hooray for North Hollywood, which was put into two different parts. Um, this, we, was this originally planned to be two episodes or a, a, a TV movie, or it's just, it seems like it was, it was going to be destined for something a little bigger. I don't know. Maybe it's just the hunch I get, or, or was it always meant to be two uh, episodes? Well, <laughs> it was always meant to be two episodes. I, I don't think it was meant to be two episodes. I just think it got long, right? <laughs> and uh, 
Randy really wanted to do an updated version of Variety Speak, and uh, and he had uh, he had a bunch of sort of L.A. songs. He had L.A. Dot, I think, is in it. Right. And they're just a big pile of songs that were uh, that we hadn't wedged into other episodes, and we hadn't isolated them. And so he had a big batch of songs. So that what it became, uh, if you'll pardon, it became a patch job where I. I knew I had all these songs, and I knew I could make a double episode out of it. So the the interstitial stuff is, is where most of my work comes in. Where I'm, and and it's a little bit like the the famous cartoon Scarlet Pimpernel, where Daffy Duck is pitching his cartoon to JB. It's going to be great, JB. And then you know, and you see the Scarlet Pimpernel cartoon. You keep going back to Daffy just pitching his mind, his brains out. And then at the end, he, he uh, says, and at the end of the cartoon, JB, there's nothing left for the Scarlet Pimper to, to do but to blow his brains out. And he does. And so you have to kill yourself to sell a story around here. <laughs> uh, so this cartoon is our version of that. And they're trying to pitch. They're trying to sell a movie story. Uh, and, the songs are great. It just it's a it gets a little sluggish. That's mm. that's my problem with it because it probably uh, half uh, two parters probably a little too long. Well, it does have a great line from uh, from Skippy in part two, which we always love, which is uh, that was pretty much it for the whole half hour, which is just <laughs> <laughs> we want to make a movie. You can't make a movie. You can't make a movie. <laughs> Yeah, see, it, Skippy's right. Skippy was right. It was a little too much. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we'll just about wrap things up. Kelly, you look at any other episodes in that in that long list right there that we? Uh, do you like? To yeah. Um, my question is about the the final episode, episode ninety nine, and um, the Animaniac Suite is a really great way to wrap up the series with the music and the montage and everything else. But at what point did y'all know that that was going to be the last episode? Um, I, I knew uh, that it was probably the last episode. We were working on a uh, wacko's wish at that point. So, which I considered the hundredth episode. So uh, we got Al Brighton back. We got all the footage from the shows. Uh, now Al Brighton back was our, our second editor, our first editor, who deserves a lot of credit for all the success of Animaniacs was a fellow named Joe Gall. And I sat with Joe Gall through every Tiny Toons and every Animaniacs episode. And uh, at this point, uh, Al Breitenbach had proved himself a brilliant editor on Freakazoid. He's the guy that would find that crazy live action footage that we'd throw into Freakazoid now and then. And he edited all the Freakazoids. And so, uh, we threw this big assignment, and it is. It's a big, tough assignment. Uh, here's this piece of music. We gave him the click track on the music, and he then took all these great scenes from the entire series and plugged them uh, into the music that Richard Stone provided, uh, the Animaniac Suite. Um, so uh, we knew this was going to be the final episode for a while. And I also like the, the while I don't think the animation's great on uh, the scoring session, I, I do love uh, that uh, 
Nival Nosnes, the conductor, is replacing Richard, who is taking a little sabbatical at uh, like a nuthatch. <laughs> Camarillo, he's taking a little rest in Camarillo, which was a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> yeah, we had we hadn't realized that until we had looked into some of our notes right there and, and seen that that was a very inside joke right there. That was that was quite yes. good. <laughs> oh, don't mind me. Just go right ahead. <clears throat> Rule number two. Never interrupt me. When... Sorry to interrupt, but does anybody know where I'm sitting? <clears throat> there! Thanks. Nice tie. Yard sale? <clears throat> Rule number three. Musicians will arrive with their instruments tuned and prepared to play. Hi. Do you happen to know if there's a recording session today? Yes, there is a recording session today. Oh, well, I left my sheet music in the Walter Tower. Do you have an extra copy I can borrow? Just take your seat. Anyway, I think we've covered it. We've done it. Wow. My goodness. Well, now we've gone through all these 99 episodes and, and everything. Uh, I think it's it's best to announce what the heck we here at the Animaniacast are going to be doing now that we're... Just about, I mean, we're going to be talking about Wacko's Wish, uh, you know, coming up. And, of course, this is the 20th anniversary uh, of Wacko's Wish this year. So we have some big things planned uh, that will hopefully happen. Um, but before we get into all that discussion, I think we should talk about what we're going to do. Now, we sent out a survey to to everybody out there, our listeners, and we asked, what should we talk about? And, of course, our choices were Pinky the Brain, Tiny Tunes, Freakazoid, or just like a rotation between uh, those those three shows. And the majority of the audience voted for a rotation of the shows. So what we're going to be doing uh, from really from now on for the next this is Animaniacast version two, I suppose you could say, is going to be talking about uh, one week, an episode of Tiny Toons, and then uh, the next week talking about an episode of uh, Pinky and the Brain, and then the next week, an episode of Freakazoid, and then rotating back again to Tiny Toon Adventures. So uh, we have a lot more to talk about, and Tom, you know, we'd love to continue to have you on throughout the years, and of course we're going to continue to talk about Animaniacs as well, uh, you know. So that's great. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, for the first uh, Pinky in the Brain, first couple of Pinky in the Brain shows, it'd be great. Uh, you know, if you talk about the first one, or uh, somehow we got to get Peter Hastings to come on with you. Yeah, that that'd be, be really great. Cool. Sometime I'd like to, because uh, we went over like twenty episodes today, I think, yeah. or more. Sometime in the future. I'd like to do a, a recap of like the first 20 episodes, the second 20 episodes. In other words, if we could do yes. a, a, a little, like let's revisit a few of the episodes. Yeah, absolutely. We could even do, uh, especially if you disliked an episode, we could do like a point counterpoint type thing. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah, we could have fun. That would be it. good. <laughs> bring, bring on someone that hates this show or something. Yeah, we're going to go back to to episodes of Animaniacs from time to time is of course to to revisit them and and see you know the more hidden stories of uh behind the scenes as we go. So before we wrap things up Tom again thank you so much for for becoming a part of the show over the past uh 
gosh, year, year and a half, really. It's been really an honor uh, to have you on and uh, to get to know you and to to really get the insight uh, to Animaniacs that we honestly never, the three of us never thought we'd we'd get. And we can't be, you know, appreciative enough for you to be on the show to talk about this, uh, this it, show. It, honestly, Ben, uh, every time I've, I've come on, uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure. I think you three are great. Uh, I'm honored to uh, uh, play a part in this show, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just so glad to know you guys. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, well, Aww. let's go ahead and get to <laughs> some contact information, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Kelly, why don't we start with you? I am occasionally found on Twitter, uh, Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S, or email me, Kelly, at BigShinyRobot.com. And Nathan, what about you? I'm on Discord and Twitter at DjangoFT. That's me. <laughs> and Tom, where can you be found online? Oh, I know, I know. It's t- at Tom Ruger on Twitter, and of course you're on you're, you're on uh, Instagram. TC yep. TC Ruger oh. on there, right? Oh, TC Ruger on uh, Instagram. Instagram. And, uh, I can be tracked down on Facebook. You can leave messages for me. You can, you can stalk me. I'm um, <laughs> usually at, at uh, the Albertsons parking lot, as I said. Uh, yes. If, if you have some change, uh, just throw it at me, and I'll I'll make sure your car doesn't get dented by a cart. Oh, that's so nice. And of course, Tom's blog, Cartoonatics dot blogspot dot com if i'm not mistaken is is tom's blog so i have got to get back to that got to get back on there okay well anyway uh and of course the animaniacast we're on facebook and twitter and instagram and uh and of course you can join our discord channel which is discord dot animaniacast dot com you can get a welcome link there and join the conversation there and uh yeah animaniacast at retrozap.com Subscribe to the RetroZap Podcast Network and you can get this podcast and other pop culture podcasts talking about everything you possibly want to talk about. So that'll do it for today's special episode. So for Nathan, Kelly, and Tom, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. It's over. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacs unless otherwise indicated.